Should you take that? Yeah. (laughs) I'm Allie Grant. And I'm just you. Welcome to Follow Me, your resource for all things influencer. Brought to you by B Social Group. Now, let's see who we're following this week. I definitely prefer to work creator because it also embodies so much more, right? That's actually what they do. They create content, oftentimes just their the core of what they do. And I also think influencer is somewhat misleading because not all creators actually have an influence, right? There is really good ones, but there's not so good ones. Welcome to the Follow Me Podcast, your resource for all things influencer marketing. Today, we are excited to chat with Maddie Rates. I don't know if I'm saying that right, but let's hope I am. Creative entrepreneur who founded IMA, and she's got a new venture called Bond, which we will get into in a second. Jessica, how are we today? Allison Grant, doing well. We're doing this virtually because it's not our office day. Yeah, well, the the internet, the office doesn't work, so don't get me started on that. That's true. That's true. We're having. Well, I think it was like only not working for me. Like everyone was fine yesterday. Did you see me storm out of the office like with such a mood? Because I was on this Zoom, like a very important Zoom, and I just kept cutting out. People were asking me questions I couldn't answer, and I literally was just like, ah, slammed my laptop and walked out like a little grumpy potato. I did see you click clack out of there. I wasn't sure of the circumstance. I was steaming. So then I had to like connect the Zoom to my car. I'm like running through like Beverly Hills trying to like talk on the Zoom. And anyways. It's just boss babe on the go. (laughs) A digital nomad. But my, what is my follow me of the week? Should we talk about lemonade? Are we still talking about lemonade? I don't know if I am. I don't know if you are either. You haven't really mentioned it. I know. But someone commented on my TikTok, just an opportunity to talk about my TikTok. They're like, oh, I found you on Lemonade. And I was like, I posted three things on Lemonade. And I'm like, that's so interesting. It must be like a really good, it must have like good search and discovery on it, which like, then I went into this whole spiral about we need to focus on Lemonade. So Sophia's on it, right? Sophia, your client. Sophia's on it. She's been posting more too because she just closed on a house. So like a lot more like home decor pins. Pins, is that the word for lemonade? No, that's Pinterest. I think it's just like um, a post. I'm trying to see. I don't know. I would just call it a post. I mean, it's, it's like Pinterest, but how many followers does Sophia have? I don't think it's like there yet. I don't know. Last time I saw it, it was like four. <laughs> yeah. I, I'm like, how are these people building a following. Okay. That's the next thing I'm going to hack is just lemonade and like how you get a following on there. Also like brands are going to start doing partnerships on lemonade. I wonder what the age demo is for lemonade and users. Cause I can see it not being totally like Gen Z super young either because Pinterest really isn't that young either. And it's similar to Pinterest. Yeah. I, I mean, I love Pinterest. I feel like it's, I don't know. Yeah, I just, we need to rethink this and maybe we can get someone from Lemonade to come on the podcast. Well, that was our following of the week. It was that we're kind of following Lemonade and we're just, we're curious. Kind of like, you know, being sober curious. We're Lemonade curious. It's good being curious. I love it. All right, let's get into the podcast. Maddie Rates is a creative entrepreneur at heart. Her first company, IMA, Influencer Marketing Agency, was launched at age 21 and accelerated to a multinational company over a decade with offices and teams across the globe. Pioneers in the industry and paving the way how global premium brands work with influencers and social media, 
IMA had a successful exit acquired by MediaMonks. Now, with over a decade of experience in the creator economy and as a firm believer in human-to-human connections, being the driving force for cultural change, she is currently working on her new venture called Bond, which we're going to get into on the episode, which is a new way creators can monetize, create content. It's a live shopping platform, which that is what we're, we're live shopping platform curious. I'm so obsessed with learning more. Yeah. I love it for us and our clients. What did we learn in this episode? We learned about Bond, diversifying your platform. Jess like joined mid-episode because she forgot what time it was and how to get on the Allison Grant, that is fake news. Do not make me look bad in front of our followers. I didn't have the Zencaster link. I did not know it was the same link every time. Yeah, good. And you were slacking me, like, to be fair, you were slacking me, but I didn't have my slack up. And so, but you joined at like the perfect time, which was like odd. Your face popped up and I was like, oh, hey, welcome. (laughs) And what else do we talk about? Oh, selling your company, starting a new company, being an entrepreneur, all the things. It's a great episode. And Maddie herself is just like this stylish, creative entrepreneur. I want all her things. And Maybe. Yeah, her necklace situation was like chef's kiss. Okay, let's get into it. I feel like you have a really interesting story to tell and kind of similar to me, right? Like I think you started IMA, Influencer Marketing Agency, which genius name, by the way, probably around when I started Be Social. So talk us through that. Like when did you start it? How did you think of the idea and how it came to be? Yeah, I mean, we started 2009. We started first off in a platform environment called Fashionista. That was sort of like the early days of blogging, like Instagram didn't exist yet. Pinterest didn't exist yet, like early days. And you had those bloggers like the Satorialist, Susie Bubble, like the OGs of blogging coming up. Um, I was actually graduating from fashion school at the time. I was 21 and I was writing a paper about like how these people influenced like fashion and just buying decisions like at those early days. I was working at the platform called Fashionista and we were just brainstorming about the idea of how these people could help the platform grow. So I was in charge of bringing these tastemakers to the platform. I built a community of bloggers back then, like thousands of them. Again, early days, the Blonde Salad, Chiara Ferrani, we're all in my network. And after a while, I figured, hey, if I can bring those people to our platform, I can actually link them to several other brands as well. We got a lot of inbound requests as well. So that's when I started with my partner back then, the agency on the side. First off, under the name of Fashionista Agency, this was 2010, again, early days. Um, And after three years, we changed the name to IMA which back then was like very forward thinking. Like right now, everybody knows what influencer marketing is. But when we started, it was like influencer marketing. What does that even mean? What's an influencer? We had to explain it to everybody. But that's like really, really the early days. We just started with very simple. You had a blogger or an Instagrammer and we connected them with brands. We brainstormed campaigns. Everything that's very normal right now, but was something very new back then. I started a little bit later than you. I was 2012, I think. But even in 2012, you were like, 
having to explain what an influencer is and like Instagram was just popping off and there was still like marketplace confusion. Like people understood social media, I guess, and like being on social media as a brand, but not necessarily working with influencers like the way they do now. So, and we don't even like, I feel like we're moving away from the word influencer a little bit, right? Like people are saying creator. (laughs) It was like blogger, influencer, creator. (laughs) I always say creator actually. I don't know, I have this weird, like, I don't like the word influencer as much anymore because I don't know, it's maybe overused. I definitely prefer the word creator because it also embodies so much more, right? That's actually what they do. They create content. Oftentimes, it's just their, the core of what they do. And I also think influencer is somewhat misleading because not all creators actually have an influence, right? There is a really good one, but there's not so good one. So and you sold your company to Media Monks. What year was that? And like, what is selling an agency look like? That was in 2019. So exactly 10 years after we, we launched it. So yeah, had it for a decade. I think for us, it was very exciting. I mean, it's you know it as well. It feels like a, a crown on your work and just a very nice reward that somebody wants to own you basically and make you even bigger. In our instance, we actually had a, had a few people interested, uh, like big groups, which made it like just a very nice way of making IMA even bigger. And especially in the instance of Media Monks, which is like a global production company that's part of S4 Capital, which is a group that's just constantly expanding. It gave us the opportunity for further global expansion as well which was very nice for our teams, for our clients, just for everybody to accelerate even more. And I think it also was a nice way for the industry in itself, because for a long time, influencer market was, marketing was like, oh, we, we just throw it on in the, in the last bit. You know, you have the campaign is all settled. And then at the last bit, we just throw a few posts in there. While after the acquisition or around the acquisition, it really became clear that, Influencer marketing truly does matter, and it, it's part of the hygiene mix from the start when it comes to marketing. And I think acquisitions like that really help with market adoption in that sense. Did you find the process of selling your company like emotional? Like for me, it was like a bit of an emotional tool because it's something you've put your whole entire identity into from, you know, we were both really young starting our companies. It's all we ever really did. I was like so emotional over it in like a in many weird ways. <laughs> yeah, no, 100%. I found it very emotional. And I, th- I think I still do sometimes because now I'm, I'm not, I left last October. So pretty recently I left, which was super hard, right? It's something you build for so long and then you stay on board because you wanted the integration to be done well and you want to still help grow. But indeed, if you're so young, like I was started 21, I stayed there until I was 33. You don't know anything else than that, right? It's your, it's literally your baby and you're so emotionally attached to it. Plus I think part of your identity, like one third of your life is that literally. So yeah, I think it's definitely emotional, but it also really helps, uh, helps you grow to at one point move on and see, you know, what else is out there and what else can I do and take all the learnings from all of those years and see how else can I make an impact? Because I also felt that at some point I was like, I know how to do this. I know how this agency game works and I would love to see more of the world and use everything I know in next steps. 
mm-hmm. which is what you did with creating Bond, which I want to get into. So tell us about Bond and what does Bond do? Yeah, so Bond is really new. We actually just launched in a private beta. Well, sorry, not a private anymore, but an open beta uh, only a few days ago. So very, very recent. But I've been working on it since uh, since I left IMA. So that's about October. Bond is my new venture again in the creator economy. So very exciting, and it's a new platform that connects creators, shoppers, and brands in an inspiration-driven live shopping format. So all about content, creator first, content led. You go on there and it feels almost editorial at nature. So very curated, amazing creators. They speak to the camera, so it feels very engaging. But everything you see on there, so all the videos are shoppable in a very editorial format. So a native checkout experience and everything you can shop right away on Bond. And then we pipe the order back to to the brand's e-commerce in the back end. So we're really disrupting the traditional commerce model, I would say, where we're not D2C, we're not marketplace, we're all in between. And that's really a new model that I think is going to do very well. So we're very excited about it. That's awesome. And what are like the benefits of a creator that would go on Bond and create content? Creators, we provide a commission and we're coming in pretty uh, competitive. We're much, much higher than your regular affiliates. And on top of that, we're much easier to use and we're much more better looking, I would say. We provide a very aspirational, elevated environment. There's no linking. There's no broken linking. There's no labyrinth of things or products to to search. You go on there and it just looks and feels beautiful. And that's the feedback we've been getting from creators. It's like, oh, this is actually a platform I want to be on. And then on top of that, you can get very, very um, high income and stable earnings. So that's obviously the main thing for creators is just a platform that's really there for their commerce solution. Yeah. And I, I always tell creators to like diversify your revenue streams, right? Like you can't always just rely on brand partnerships. Like those are great and they haven't dried up yet, <laughs> knock on wood. But I think it's important to do other things that drive revenue, like while you're sleeping, right? It sounds like you can create content, put it up on bond, and then consumers can go and shop and you're making commission while you sleep, essentially. I think that's also the beauty of Bond is that it's, we're actually, I mean, obviously I come from the influencer marketing world, which is highly transactional, great for a lot of people, but not so great for sometimes the other end of the spectrum. The beauty of Bond is that it aligns incentives in a much, much more transparent and evergreen way. So indeed, all the content you put on Bond from a, as a creator lives ongoing and in perpetuity. So that means that if somebody buys off your show, also months later, you still get the commission, you still get the revenue share. It goes on and on and on and on. So the earnings you can make are so much higher and go definitely above and beyond what you can make on one single post. And I definitely believe that that's the future of influencer marketing because brands want to see more than just that one single post that you do on Instagram. They want to see that you actually move product. They want to see the data. They want to see the views. And that's all possible here. And even so with great brands, we don't come with just, you know, fast fashion brands or anything. We come with high-end brands on Bond. That's the environment we provide. And that's absolutely something that's a benefit to creators as well. 
Yeah. And I'm sure you've launched with like a handful of brands and are you going to continue to add more and more as time progresses? Is that the goal? Yeah. We we add brands and creators every single day. Right now we have brands such as like Altuzara, Bali, uh, Redon Denim, like really cool brands, uh, beauty brands like Eyeless, Allies of Skin, Giarritz, like the, the cool glittery bags. There's like a lot of stuff on there we found. So it's it's really nice for uh, for shopping in, in fashion, beauty categories. And then as the platform grows, we'll, we'll have anything lifestyle. Jess, we were just talking about Bond, which actually is kind of interesting because one of your team members, Maddie, was talking with Jess to bring on some of our clients. I don't really remember where that went. We actually are. We have Alex Michael May. She's from Be Social, right? Alex Michael May, Alyssa Lenore. We have a few on the roster. I mean, Ali, you should... We have our beta now. I think... Yeah, I need to download it. through it. And here, here she is. Here's her girl. Oh my God, cute. (gasps) And she's like great speaking to the camera. She's like a presenter. Yeah, no, she's like, that's her thing. Like she's incredible. And like most of that content typically lives on TikTok for her, which is like kind of harder to monetize unless you're doing a brand partnership, right? Because linking and all that stuff is like not easy on TikTok. So here you see, like it sits here and then you click on it and you can literally do like an Apple Pay one click checkout. Oh my God, that's incredible. And then Alex Michael May will make commission on everything she Yeah, sells. exactly. And then we have Alyssa Lenore doing it as well. Alyssa Lenore is doing it. I think live shopping is just so interesting because other countries have been able, it's so popular in Asia and replicating in the United States. I feel like TikTok was trying to do the live shopping situation, but it just didn't pan out. But I mean, I've obviously supported yeah, what I'm reading and seeing, I think there still are trying to do developing it further. So it will be exciting to see what they uh, what they're uh, yeah. doing. What I mean, is that platform in China? The big shopping one. Look, maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's like the major live shopping network in in China, and I feel like it's like QVC, right? I mean, the concept is kind of like QVC, but like modernized. Is yeah, kind of we, a good way we to often put talk it. around. We want to be the QVC of the digital age, and then cool, obviously. But it's really <laughs> ouch. <laughs> but it is dope. No, I agree with you. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I think it's not. It is, it's not it, like a thing millennials or and Gen Z are shopping from as active. If you explain it to like your grandparents, if if I'd have to explain to my grandparents what Bond is, that's the easiest way. It's QVC, but then on social media. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. And so you have a co-founder, which I think I've met at like Soho House, right? Is that the guy we met? Yeah. So how did you find him? And like, what is his role in the company? Yeah. So Sam is my co-founder. He's in New York and he comes from a background of operations and strategy. He was actually uh, very early days in WeWork. And he also uh, did uh, early setup of uh, Soho Works from Soho House. So that's really his... um, his expertise who also had bond he's merely focused on operations and then i obviously come from the creator and brand side of things so that's more my focus and then we have uh, a small but nimble team but very amazing team members who are doing 
uh, brand partnerships, creator partnerships, operations, obviously product and tech is huge as well. We have a whole design studio, like this whole app has been designed, developed, you name it, and constantly being still done so. So we are releasing new features, we're updating it. So yeah. It's incredible. And I feel like bringing an app to market is like very hard, right? Like, do you have to get money and capital and like, how do you, how do you raise money for something like this? I'm sure with your connections and your expertise, it wasn't so hard, but (laughs) talk us through that. When you build a technology product, you do have to raise. So um, luckily we were able to do so. Definitely helps that I'm not coming blank into the markets and also uh, Sam's expertise and just both of our networks helped with that. So yeah, we were we were able to uh, to raise some capital, and that was primarily used like to uh, build a product, hire the early stage team, like those kind of things. But yes, you definitely need that because it just costs money to to build a product like that. Yeah, it's different than like a service, you know, agency like you built IMA. Like it's just like your your mind and your your work, but yeah. with actual product, it's. Yeah, I, I was actually talking to the team about that earlier. Like when we started the agency, you didn't need to raise. Like your first client pays for your next bill. And then it sort of goes on and on and on and you grow from there, which is a really interesting model, but also far less scalable than a technology product that I'm working on now. So it's really nice to sort of see that shift of things of this is a completely different business model than an agency. So it's as an entrepreneur, it's a very interesting new way of building, I'd say. Mm -hmm. Does it feel good to be like back in a startup where it's just like kind of chaotic and things are just like so scrappy or you're like, oh my gosh, what have I done? (laughs) I think I think think about both a lot. (laughs) There's days I'm like, oh my God, where is my, uh, I don't know, I had everything in order. (laughs) Like I, we had HR and we had, I don't know, Sounds not maybe snobby, but like we had a PA and like everything in order. And then obviously you you go out of that. And we basically I somebody compared it to a Monopoly game. Like think about this well, because you have to go all back to start again and do it all over again. Like, are you sure you want to do that? I'm like, yes, yes, I think. So I love that. I I I thrive in that environment. Yeah. I think that's the spirit of an entrepreneur, though. You have to really love it and be scrappy or else like it would be impossible to build a successful company, right? Yeah. And I feel like just with our, oh, I feel like we have bad service. We keep like cutting each other off. But I was saying basically like with Be Social being sold and acquired to a parent company, it comes with like being part of a bigger entity. So then it's like, we do have the HR, we do have like a legal team, we do have all these things. But like, as an entrepreneur and founder, there's just, you know, more red tape, like you can't just be like, yeah, we're doing that tomorrow. Like, it's like, no, we have to go through the process and do the check marks before we move forward to things. But I, I miss those days of just being like, so scrappy and just like getting my hands dirty every single day. Like, I don't know. I feel like I thrive in that environment, but not everyone likes it. Jess loves like a corporate environment. <laughs> I love a corporate environment. It's but That's why entrepreneurship, I admire it so much because you're kind of on your own. It's like the wild, wild west. And it's up to you to build those walls and, you know, either be successful or fail. And there's some people obviously like you two that love it and do it successfully. And little me corporate girly, I don't know if I could survive as an entrepreneur. 
we need both in this world, right? But yeah, no, I, I think when I was thinking about like, what's my next move, I, I knew pretty quickly that I wasn't done like being an entrepreneur yet. Like I, I also just thrive in this environment. I guess it's what gets me going, right? It's the flame inside of me that that's, I don't know. I, I like the crappiness of it and indeed just really making an impact. And if you want to change something, you can change it right away. And yeah, like being really agile is, is, is fun. It's like invigorating. I want to know like what went through your head with your decision of like leaving IMA. Cause I imagine like with my situation too, it's like when you get acquired, you have like a term that you stay in an employment agreement every, you know, they're always set up differently. So did your employment agreement, it kind of came to the end and you were like, either I renew or I. No, no, it was actually, it was completely just my own decision. I, uh, the the term was I already were for, was far over my term because I and that was all my, like I really enjoyed my time at Media Monks and I joined a new department or helped set up a new department the global fashion and luxury department for them which was an amazing team and we had an amazing client and I really enjoyed that but at some point I just felt that basically what we we just talked about that like I'm an entrepreneur and I couldn't flourish enough in the big corporate environment of making change, making impact, and that I wanted to basically build again, that I had so many ideas that I wanted to share with the world. And I think, yeah, ultimately, if you're an entrepreneur, that's for me then leaving the only option to do that again. It was really hard. I'll I'll tell you that, honestly, like it it didn't come lightly, but I do think that um, if that's who you are, that at some point you need to... it's something you need to do. It's an 8,000 people organization. So it's hard to, it's a, it's a big ship to move around if you want to be an entrepreneur there versus IMA who was two, were 200 people. Wow. You grew IMA to 200 people? Yeah. We have Amsterdam, New York, LA. Oh, that's incredible. Where's the majority of the team now? Still Amsterdam and New York, LA Sun. But it's now it's really integrated. So we rebranded on their social dot monks and we went fully social end to end. So it's partly influencer marketing. It's also like just anything has to do with social media. So basically just that whole category when you go to media monks, you basically come in with the old IMA team. I think there's also like levels to corporate world, right? Like there's a company of 200 versus a company of 8,000. It's, it's different boats. It's, it's similar structuring maybe, but I feel like, like what you said, there's a lot more people on the boat to steer with an 8,000 company versus 8,000. Like I could not imagine being one of 8,000 with our parent company. I think we're like 300 and something which I'm like so overwhelmed with. Like that's a point where you don't know everyone, right? Like I'm sure when you were at 200 at IMA, you're like, you do your best effort to try and get to know everyone, but that's sort of just like not even possible. You kind of have your core you work with every day and then the rest is kind of like, hopefully I'll meet them in the coffee room or whatever, but ugh, that's... And then how big is your company now, Bond? We have six people full-time and then three people part-time and then a design studio as well. Okay. That's a good size. I mean, that's like a, it's a perfect size. I feel like under 10 is like so manageable and just like, you're so close. I was having a conversation with someone that was on the podcast last week and it was the same conversation. She was like, after we got to 10 people, it's like, 
something changes. It's like the startup mode changes, but I don't know. I don't know if you'll feel that, but well, Maddie, this was great. We're actually up to time, which is crazy. <laughs> Thanks, Jess, for joining mid-conversation. <laughs> Thank you so much. I joined in on the right spot, apparently. Yeah, we're such a professional podcast. I love it. But where can people follow you, Maddie? You can find me on LinkedIn, just my name, or Instagram as well, at Maddie Ratz. Yeah, that's it. I'm not really active myself on social media. I've never been. But uh, yeah, or follow Bond, Bond, joinbond.co. Um, join Bond on Instagram and definitely download the app. Go to the app store and download Bond and try it out and let me know what everybody thinks. Yay. Thank you for joining us, Maddie. This was great. Thank you so much. (laughs) Bye.